This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Dollars and Change on SiriusXM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we are about to welcome Margot Brandenburg, who is the founder of My Strong Home. Margot brings 15-plus years of experience in mission-driven business and non-traditional finance. Um, she was formerly the Senior Associate Director at the Rockefeller Foundation. And My Strong Home was actually formed after uh, Superstorm Stan- Sandy uh, here in the Northeast uh, around 2012. And My Strong Home's mission is to protect homes and communities from hurricanes and other extreme weather. But I will let Margot <laughs> describe it in much more detail and, and help our listeners understand what My Strong Home is all about. So welcome to the show, Margot. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning. Good morning. It is so nice to talk to you. It's been a little while. It has. It's great to be with you. I was so excited to see your name. <laughs> well, yep. for, so for our listeners, we went, we go back with Margot. She joined us on some alumni road shows because she was a co-author with the former, at the time she was the president of the Rockefeller Foundation, but former president Judy Roden. And president of Penn. Also president of Penn. And yep. um, we, we talked about impact investing with our alumni in the early days of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. So it, we're delighted to have Margo back, but now she's in a new a new position running My Strong Home. So Margo, let's let's start at the beginning. What what in the world is My Strong Home? <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Thanks for this opportunity. And if the perspective that I had back then on impact investing and mission driven business was thirty thousand feet, I, I have a perspective from about three inches right now, <laughs> down in the trenches. But not underwater, but, right? Um, <laughs> I think it's very complimentary, actually. So it's been a totally fascinating and incredibly rewarding experience. Um, But to your point, it was um, really in the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy um, that I was at the Rockefeller Foundation still and had witnessed this real proliferation of business and investment models across different sectors, clean energy, local food, um, healthcare, and, and, you know, seen this the emergence of a new tool to be able to solve problems. Um, But when we looked at the need to build resilience um, at the cost of extreme weather and other disruptive events in the 21st century, we really found almost no kind of market-based or self-financing ways to address it. Um, It was a big just gap in the solution set that was out there, um, and it seemed to be a real omission. Um, So I started um, asking people who were smarter than I about hurricanes and about extreme weather and discovered that, sure enough, there's some pretty low-tech upgrades that you can do to a house, like using long, closely spaced nails to keep the roof decking on. Long, closely spaced nails. Just making sure I caught that. Exactly. Um, I heard nails and I thought about, you know, getting a manicure. But no, these are ring shank nails that keep a roof on. Um, And some other, again, low-tech measures that really improve the ability of that home to withstand a hurricane, a tornado, a hail event, and so, so you don't need Chip and Joanna Gaines to create a new house for you and have HGTV's best and newest smartphone. You can have some low, you know, closely spaced nails. Exactly. I mean, by all means, if you have the HD opportunity, <laughs> go for it. But. Um, yes, for those of us who don't have that opportunity, there are some, again, pretty simple measures you can take. And if you price your homeowner's insurance correctly on the back end, you can recover the cost of that retrofit or that fortification 
through the insurance savings you get. And so talk us through this sort of from the the customer perspective. So my strong home does what? Does it conduct an assessment? Does it provide a toolkit and advice? Tell us tell us what exactly you guys would do in a particular instance. We do it all. Um, we primarily do three things that um, we bring together in a way that no one else has. We provide specialized construction upgrades, these long nails. Um, and it's more than long nails, obviously. For the most part, right. we end up re-roofing the house because the long nails, the what's called secondary water barrier, these other resilience features are much more cost-effective if you're re-roofing. So generally, we put on these impact-resistant roofs. And so someone would hire My Strong Home to come in and sort of do an assessment and make these necessary upgrades? Exactly. Okay. And then we're an insurance agency, and we have partnered with insurance companies who have pre-committed to giving substantial discounts for this type of upgrade. And so we are then licensed to sell their insurance policies, which could be you know, up to $1,500 a year cheaper than what you're currently paying for your insurance. And then we're a lender. So we will lend the homeowner the future stream of insurance discounts for as many as seven years. Got it. So that so 1500 an... times seven, you would say, we'll lend you this upfront capital to get the new roof with the proper nail placement? Exactly. And, and some other things. Um, yes, exactly. So you as a homeowner um, get a new impact-resistant roof um, for little or in some cases no cost up front. You continue to pay the same amount that you were paying for your insurance. But sort of behind the curtain, if you will, we've gotten a big discount and we're using that difference to repay the roof. And then after seven years, you start to receive the big insurance discount because your roof would have been paid off. And in the meantime, you've built the value of your home equity and you have a safer home for yourself and your family. Yeah. So there aren't any or potentially no upfront additional out-of-pocket costs for folks to do this. Well, um, often there's nothing that the homeowner needs to contribute up front, but in some cases there is. So our lending is cash flow neutral, or that's the wonky term we use to describe it. But we only lend people what we know we can save them. Right. So if we can save you $1,000 a year, we'll lend you $7,000 toward the roof. So that's seven years worth of $1,000 savings. Got and it. in some states, there's a tax credit, so we'll finance that. But our premise is you can pay us any costs that you were already incurring. But if the roof were $12,000 in that example, and so we could save you $7,000, let us say there's a $3,000 tax credit, that would leave a little bit left over, about $2,000 in that example. Okay. And you would pay that as a down payment. And then, you know, theoretically after the seven years, your insurance goes down or, you know, because... Exactly. Substantially yeah. down. Yeah. Because you've no longer, you're no longer um, paying off that roof. So that savings accrues to the homeowner entirely. Got it. And and I think for our listeners, we started to unpack sort of the pain points. But um, I was reading before uh, you guys were obviously like coastal areas. So you think about some of the... Louisiana, Mississippi, Carolinas. Exactly. Florida's and is a big one. Yep. And and I remember, so my husband used to work for the Pew Charitable Trust, and maybe, Margo, you and I talked about this many years ago, you know, the cost of rebuilding homes that are damaged by hurricanes, like, I think really we shouldn't be living in these coastal regions um, because of the cost and the cost of taxpayers to actually subsidize the rebuilds, et cetera. But 
what you're doing is helping folks, you know, make their, as you say, resilient, make their homes more resilient. Care yeah, almost. it's it's upfront versus you know what we say ex post after the fact. Exactly, um, we are trying to shift the paradigm in our own small way toward one in which we put attention and money toward preventing damage rather than incurring the pain and the cost of recovering from those events. Um, and it's, it makes abundant sense for everyone. It's better for the homeowners, the community members, the taxpayers, the insurance companies. I mean, it really truly is sort of a win-win proposition. And yet in practice, it's incredibly difficult to do. And what, what makes it so difficult? Well, I think for one, it, it gen- genuinely is a, a sort of a normative paradigm shift. You know, there's a rush in to help people that have been affected by a storm. You see images, it's very compelling. And it's frankly difficult to muster the enthusiasm oh. and the attention to preventative work. And that's, I think, probably a function of human psychology as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the whole way that the insurance industry works. I mean, it's predicated on um, paying a risk-adjusted premium and in being entitled to a payout in the event that you're hit by an event. And the more risky a place is, Nick, to your point, the higher the premium climbs and, you know, the home, the, the insured has to pay ever more. And there just isn't a mechanism to move around those costs and to say, gosh, instead of paying four or $5,000 a year in homeowner's insurance for my fairly small or modest home, I could pay much less than that and invest that premium money into preventative measures. Um, and there simply isn't mechanism, aren't mechanisms out there to do that. And I mean, there's many wonderful things about the insurance industry, but I don't think anyone would say that they are the, on the frontier of innovation. And there's a, you know, a, a sense of having done something the way it's always been done and to really try to disrupt the whole thing and turn a model on its head um, is difficult for the incumbent insurers to do. And yet there's some substantial barriers to entry in insurance that I think make it harder for new entrants uh, to come in than in other sectors. So as a result, you just don't see some of the genuine business model innovation in that side of um, the economy that we need uh, to really become more resilient and to take advantage of these win-win solutions. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. If you want to give us a call, we're talking to Margot Brandenburg, founder of My Strong Home. We're talking about making your home more resilient, especially in the face of big storms. Um, Give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So, Margot, you're talking about, you know, the human condition, why it's hard for folks to look ahead and make, you know, make a choice when it's not a, uh, when there's not a crisis. What has been, you know, powerful, helpful, effective in convincing folks to do this? Is it outlaying, you know, sort of outlining the costs? This is the cost if you do it now. If a storm hits and you're unprepared, this is the cost. Is it changing, you know, the norms around how people think about their homes? Is it just the presence of more storms? What's what's changing things? I mean, it's a little bit of each of those things. Certainly the storms, uh, I don't want to say helped, but they did help. Um, uh, because it's a painful reminder that, you know, we are all or many of us are vulnerable to this type of extreme event. Um, so those certainly make the, the risk salient in people's minds. And then in a more immediate way, um, 
people often have a higher deductible for a hurricane event. And so right now we're working with people in Florida who had a 5% hurricane deductible. They had the roof sort of largely blown off their home and they, their insurance company isn't covering any of it because the cost still doesn't meet their deductible. And yet they don't have the ten or $15,000 in their bank sure. account to pay for it. So both conceptually and then in an immediate sort of tangible way, um, Irma and Harvey and Maria, I think, accelerated people's awareness of this. But something that we thought early on and that has been confirmed is that it's not enough to lay out the sort of ROI of an action. You have to really make it easy. And the friction that exists to taking this type of action can really mean the difference between someone doing it or not doing it. So the financing is a big part of it, but offering a one-stop shop service where we go out, we do the assessment of the home, we get the insurance savings quote, we lay out the numbers for the homeowner, we send the contractor. Um, If they want to use their own, they can, Um, but most people don't know how to tell a sort of a good contractor from a bad one, and so we do that. And we really take That's the onus such a help. off of that. <laughs> yeah, that alone. Yeah. No, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, because in any given week, you know, the car might have broken down or the kid is sick. And so there's something really urgent that's occupying people's time and focus. Reminds us of our previous guest with Sarah Morgenstern talking about financial inclusion and some of the companies they're investing in. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, a really helpful role that we play is to just try and make it easier for folks. And are there any sort of success stories that you've heard? Has anyone come into or, you know, shot you a note and said, wow, we just had a big storm. A lot of my neighbor's roofs were, you know, torn off and, you know, you guys saved me that pain. Have you have you had anything yet as a young company? I would say it's still too early to have that kind of definitive supporting proof. You know, uh, we were in our pilot mode when Hurricane Matthew hit um, mm-hmm. last year. And we had done, I don't know, 15 or 20 homes in the part of South Carolina that was affected. And so anecdotally, uh, we know that, that our customers uh, withstood the hurricane with almost, or actually with no damage, where their neighbors had wow. substantial damage. But, you know, it's too small of a sample size, so to speak, to really be able to draw definitive conclusions from sure. that. And also what's nice about your model is, like, as a customer, I'm seeing those benefits from the cost savings and, like, not up potentially a, a lot of out-of-pocket out resiliency, you know, renovation type of work up, up front. So it's not to say, like, you have to wait for a storm to see the benefit. But sure. <laughs> yeah. no, and, and, um, we, and it builds home equity. So a, a right. study came out from the University of Alabama that found a 7% increase in home resale value as a result of these fortifications. And, sure. and these aren't things you don't didn't, have to not do anyway. Like, you might need a roof. Exactly. So what's the marginal cost of doing it? Exactly. You know, in a way that's storm resilient. It's not like, you know, roofs last a thousand years and only if you want to change the format do you have to redo it. This might be coming down the pipeline for you anyway. Exactly. And it's imminently logical. And, you know, you you hear these platitudes of build back better after an event or to your point, Sandy, like, why not do it a little bit better? Um, And and that's all true. And yet, if there isn't a way to make it easy and affordable for people, the reality is that often that isn't how things happen. Um, so I think one of the unique opportunities that we have as a business and not as a think tank or, or a government agency is to actually physically connect people and their lives and their homes 
to a solution that's better for everyone, but that would otherwise potentially go, you know, un, unutilized by them. Margot, as you were ramping up, you know, you said you went from sort of the 30,000 foot view with impact investing, you know, to the three inch view. <laughs> uh, what was one of those interesting moments? You know, we sort of grabbed on to the nail example right at the top of the segment. But, you know, what were one of those things where like, gosh, like, why aren't people doing that? You know, this is something mm-hmm. that's super easy or super important that people could do. What was something that you learned when you were kind of figuring out what people could do to make their homes more resilient? Gosh, there were so many examples. I mean, I was living in New York City. And so I literally, I kid you not, the first time that, you know, use long nails was told to me, I looked down at my fingers, and I assumed they were talking about a French manicure. So there's been nothing but lessons. And, you know, I've been crawling around attics and looking at the way people's gables are braced. And so um, the whole thing has been sort of a crash course in both home renovation and um, in insurance. But I mean, in addition to the obvious sort of learning curve around uh, home construction, the insurance industry, which is, you know, huge and affects all of our lives in different ways, and yet is very enigmatic to folks, um, and formerly to myself included, in trying to understand how risk is priced, um, and what can and can't be done. And we were talking, you know, to one uh, company who said, look, we need, for us, the biggest problem is hail damage. We've replaced uh, the roof on the same person's home three times in the past five years. And we know that we could spend a little more and the roof would be better quality and the hail, the next hailstorm would not damage it. Um, but we assume that if we put on the better roof, that the homeowner would just go to another carrier the next time their policy renews. Um, and we have no way to keep them because insurance policies are only for 12 months. And so it's rational for us to put on the cheapest roof that we can. Mm. <laughs> and there's a logic to it and a, and a sort of a business logic in particular, and yet the result doesn't make sense for anybody. Um, and so once, you know, you look at something like that, which seems impossible to understand the logic of, and you, you do put yourselves in the shoes of that company, you can start to think of ways to make that customer sticky that you can actually incur the additional expense, um, in this case, by tying the insurance policy to a non-insurance benefit uh, that really gets them, you know, interested and um, incented to stay. And then you can start to change um, the way that business as usual is done. And so, Margo, we only have about a minute left. Um, what? How's business? What's next? <laughs> well, we, we, start, we only launched in uh, June of 2017. So it's early days for us. And when we launched, we were in South Carolina, uh, Alabama, and Louisiana. Um, we added Mississippi. And then, you know, the, the big states for what we do are Florida and Texas. And in some ways, they're also the most complex. Mm-hmm. So we didn't start there. Um, but last summer's events have really accelerated the need to be there. So um, we just launched in Florida. We have a really exciting insurance partner there called KIN. And as I mentioned, we're oh, seeing a lot Oh, my goodness. Of... We just talked about them on our last segment. Oh, well, there you go. They're, they're a fantastic partner for us. They're doing... They should be our third guest. Perfect show. <laughs> we just have a... <laughs> Complete the trio. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
and they're um, doing a lot to upend the way that insurance is is offered, and they're uh, making it much simpler. So we're really excited about that partnership. And yet, Florida is a larger and more complicated market than the other places we're working. So and right Marco, now we're where can you really find? That. Is it just mystronghome.com? It's mystronghome.net. Dot net. Okay, so. I guess if any of our listeners are interested in finding out more, you can look up Margot Brandenburg and My Strong Home, mystronghome.net. We're going to have to take a short break, Margot, but thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.